When I was growing up, I grew up uh, mostly uh, in the, on the less sunny side of the river in uh, beautiful Taruna. Uh, and uh, when I was growing up, we used to have this huge tree uh, on my street. And then one day, a large storm blew through and all of a sudden, all the power went out in our house. And when the wind and the rain died down, we went outside and we realised that what had caused this power outage was that the wind had felled this humongous tree and it had fallen down right across the road. We couldn't get out of our street anymore. And as it had fallen, it had taken all the power lines with it. Now, the reason that it had fallen in this particular storm is, of course, the council had been in our street uh, over the last uh, week or so prior to this storm, uh, doing something under the ground uh, and had cut through uh, the roots of the tree so that uh, when the storm came, no longer was it connected to its root base and so it was easily toppled by the wind. Large tree, shallow foundations, equaling catastrophic outcome. And all of us know, whether it's trees with their root system or buildings with their foundations, that, that what's going on under the ground, that the, 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 the solid foundations really matter when it comes to buildings and trees. And yet, while we know that, and we, we would definitely take all the time and care that we needed to to make sure that our, our gardens and our homes are, are, are properly founded, Perhaps we don't actually spend enough time thinking about our own lives and our spiritual foundations upon which we need to rely in order for us to live a good life that can withstand the storms of life. And that's really what Psalm 1 is about. It's an invitation at the start of the book of Psalms, which is a, a wonderful chronicle of, 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 of prayers to God, this psalm is a, is a start and a plea for deep and right foundations in the word of God. In verse 3, it invites, it tells us what it's like to have our foundations in the right place. The person with their foundations in the right place, uh, the psalmist says in verse 3, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, prospers. A person with deep roots in the right place prospers. Now, that is true, isn't it? I'm, I'm a terrible gardener. And uh, a few years ago, about probably about four years ago now, uh, where not long after having not been next door in the rectory for long, uh, I planted a lemon tree. And I didn't kill it. It's still there. You can go and have a look. But I didn't really do anything with it for very long. And it just sort of stayed there like a little sapling, giving me no lemons. But about three times in the last four years, I've actually paid the tree some attention before I get distracted and bored and have to and think of something else. And I actually put fertiliser on the tree and I water the tree and it, and it grows. Do you know if you water trees, they grow? Yeah. And if you give them fertiliser, they produce lemons. Hot tips for the gardeners amongst you. That's what it's like if your 
if you get your spiritual foundations right too. You yield your fruit, your leaves do not wither, you prosper and grow. And of course, the psalmist tells us uh, that where that place is for us to be putting down our spiritual foundations, doesn't he? Uh, let's take a look at verse one. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the, in, does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. Where is our foundation? In the law of the Lord, in God's written word to his people. This is how we build deep spiritual foundations. And of course, this is to be contrasted in the psalm with those who put their roots down in anyone or anything else that is not the word of God. Verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff the wind, that the wind blows away. No roots, and when the storm comes, the tree falls over. They're tossed away. They vanish like chalk. And ultimately, we see the result of these two different ways of living. Tending to your spiritual roots and putting them down in the word of God or choosing something else like the wicked do. Verses 5 and 6, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Those with their foundations in the wrong place, or with no foundations at all, one might argue, are destroyed. But the righteous are protected. Now Jesus uses similar language to this opening psalm. Jesus talks about the importance of having your foundation in the right place too. He tells a story, a parable, about two men who build houses with dodgy foundations. You, you may know it if you've been around church for a while, but let me just read it to you from Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Some of you might remember uh, about two or three years ago when there was some significant storms that corresponded with a big tide on the east coast of Australia. And I remember seeing pictures of uh, the east coast of New South Wales uh, and these houses on a hill uh, that uh, some of them had fallen away into the sand. But what was most striking of all was uh, some of these houses uh, that had been more recently built were built on these big pylons that had been driven right down into the bedrock uh, of these uh, hillside, uh, beachside places. And the rain and the wind and the storm had come and it had burrowed out all the... Uh, the sand and the dirt from underneath these houses and yet they stood with their 
foundations in the rock exposed. I don't think anyone stayed living there just at that point in time while they made sure it was all still safe. But nonetheless, it was a remarkable picture of how you need to make sure you get your foundations right on the right stuff, deep and uh, abiding so that you, cannot, you are not blown and taken away by the winds and the waves. Jesus tells us, doesn't he, how you build your house on the rock, how you get your foundations by living water, to use the analogy of the tree in Psalm 1. Verse 24, it's by hearing his words and putting them into practice. Again, it's the word of God as the foundation for our life. And the Bible is full of encouragement, not just in Psalm 1 and in this parable of Jesus, but throughout of encouragement to be people of the word, people who uh, uh, take it in and who build our lives upon it, to be a people deeply embedded in scripture. Let me just read to you just a few of the places where the scriptures encourage us to, to meditate upon them and to build our lives on them. Joshua 1 verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. Or Job who goes through some pretty tough stuff says of his life though, I have not departed from the commands of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Later on in the psalm, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows me how to go. We're reminded in Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In John's gospel, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 17, he, when he's praying, Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And in Timothy, Paul writes to uh, Timothy, encouraging him to encourage his church to be committed to the word of God. 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And in uh, chapter 3 of his second letter, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And of course in Hebrews 4.12 we get this wonderful uh, passage. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is powerful through it god by his spirit makes us more like jesus and so if you're a christian if you're someone who's trying to live out your faith in jesus the only way you're going to be successful the only way you're going to stand when the trials come is to be building a solid foundation in the word of God. And so I want to ask you today, 
Are you doing that? Have you been building your life on the foundation of God's word? Have you been tending to your foundations with God's word? Or perhaps maybe you've let things slip. Because if we want the strength to see whatever the world is going to throw at us uh, resisted, if you want to stand firm in the gospel, even when it's hard, then we're going to need a solid foundation in the word of God. Now, part of the reason why I decided to preach this sermon in this little gap we've got between Easter and starting our next series is because what often happens in the life of a Christian is we know this is true. We know we need a solid foundation in the Word of God. And so in January, when we've got a kind of nice kick from the new year, we make a plan to read our Bibles, don't we? I'm sure most people here made some sort of Bible reading plan in January. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? What's the date today? It's the 23rd of April. So it's about, we're about four months into our Bible reading plans. And four months in is usually when maybe we're starting to realise we've let some of those new years, you know, like I've been trying to learn the guitar, lose weight and get, and get super fit for like at least 15 years now. And I'm really good in January but it's all over by April it's okay if you let things slip God is not here to judge you today he's here to call you and invite you back into relationship with him to deepen your relationship with him to let those roots go down deeper into the well of living water of life the word of God And as you read it and meditate on it, through it, to meet Jesus and to have your life transformed by the power of the Spirit. Today is a great day to start again, to pick up where you left off, to keep going, so that you might experience the delight in the law of God that is spoken about in Psalm 1. It's a, it's a challenging verse, verse 2, isn't it? Whose del- blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. My prayer for each of you is that you'll experience that as you, as you take time to be in the word, that you'll delight in it, that, it, that, that, that as you turn the, the pages of scripture, it's like, it's like my children like getting their new toys. It's, it's exciting to see what's over the next page, what God has for you. Because this is how you go deep with Jesus, by delighting in his word. So let me encourage you to do that. And let me encourage you, if you didn't make a plan back in January, or if you did and it's not working for you, to reconsider your options. There's all sorts of ways that you can be this kind of person who delights in the law of God, who builds your house on the rock. There's long plans and short plans. There's year plans and month plans. There's all sorts of ways to be a a student of the word of God 
to find your joy in what it has to say to us. Uh, there's a page on our website, which I can point you to later, that's got a few different options. Let me just very briefly uh, outline some of them with, to you. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm uh, talking about or they sound interesting to you, uh, come and see me after the services. We're having a coffee later uh, and we can talk about how you might go about them. But we have things like Every Day with Jesus and Encounter, Encounter with God, which, we, which uh, a group of people from this church use uh, every month that provide you set readings and questions to ask. And if you want to get in on that, uh, just let me know because we can make sure we buy you the next one that comes out uh, and, and you can start reading the word of God together with others here in this church. There's all sorts of plans. Alpha, which we've just done, Nicky Gumbel, who uh, if you're on the course, you'll remember him. Uh, he has a one-year Bible reading plan that he's worked on over many, many years and there's apps for that that you can use. If you're uh, a person who has one of these smartphone-y things, get the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. It's an amazing digital resource and it's got thousands of plans. Little seven-day plans, big, long, year-long plans. I'm sort of agnostic as to what you do. My, my care for you is that you, you do something to put your roots down in the Word of God. And then there's all sorts of epically uh, hardcore ones. Uh, the ones that, you know, when, you, when you're off at Bible college, you like to uh, show off and beat your chests to each other about how much Bible you read uh, in, your, in your quiet times. So there's this one called, I'll just tell you about this one, called Professor, which I tried to do, and I only lasted 10 weeks. So there's a challenge for you to go for 11. But it's Professor Horner's Bible reading system, 10 chapters a day. Uh, from the Bible. Uh, it was pretty good, but it was pretty full on too. But hey, some people do it every day and have done for many, many years. Whatever you do, like I've said, do something to get your roots down deep. And that's the key, isn't it? It's not just ticking a box, it's about working on your foundations. Better to read one verse a day and think about what it means for your life than 10 chapters a day so that you can feel like you're some sort of Bible boss. Think of plans as a guide, not a master. Do something that works for you. And do it not because you feel guilty, but because today God is inviting you into his word, into deeper relationship, into greater intimacy, into a satisfied soul, into a life of blossoming as your roots are watered by his word. As the prophet Isaiah says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Or as Jesus, who sort of applied this uh, image of quenching, the quenching of thirst, 
says in John 7 verse 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. That's God's invitation to you. Come to the living waters of Jesus through the word of God. Drink from that well, be satisfied, and have your roots watered and sustained as you live your life on the solid foundation of his word and a deeper relationship with him. And then you will know that no matter what happens, God is with you and he will never let you go. Come to the water and drink.